Also, if I turn my head one way or the other, I can hear the the cable kind of. Yeah. Know, and I don't know if the mic picks that up. Oh, the mic picks up everything. And welcome yeah. to episode. What are we at? Twenty-five, Kathy. You um, always yes. know all this stuff. Yes, episode twenty-five. We are at episode twenty-five, it? and it's like our silver anniversary, our silver week anniversary. Week anniversary, yeah, because we podcast every week. <laughs> All right, we're going to make sure this uh, Facebook. Guys, if you're on Facebook, uh, make sure you say something. <laughs> Thanks, Wade. Nerds. Uh, I'm going to try to keep track of... Hey, John. Welcome to the oh, podcast. Hi, John. John. in the house. So we're going to make sure everything works. Make sure everybody says everything. Make sure it goes okay. Uh, welcome to episode 25. We're going to be talking to, if you notice, John's not in the house. We have Trevor. Trevor's going to be talking about his new game that he's got. Uh, he's going to be working on. Doing Breach a bunch of stuff. Storm. Breach storm. Breach storm. Breach in the storm. That's what you should name it with beer. So, so Jim <laughs> Jim typed it into the search as uh, B R E E C H, and I said no, that's a totally different thing. That kind of breach storm. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little more adult themed than uh, the ideally, I think. It's a whole different game. Yeah, yeah. Different game. It's very different. So, um, like I said, John is out for the week, and we will have Trevor to talk about his game today. Um, guys, before we do that, we have to do our tradition. Um, and with that tradition, we have to talk about what we're drinking today. Kathy, what you got on tap? I'm just drinking the Captain with some Diet Coke. The classics. The classics. And Trevor, since you're kind of new to this, are you drinking anything funky today? Uh, no, no funky drinks today, unfortunately. Why I've not? had a flu for the last couple of days, so I'm uh, taking the... Oh, <laughs> you've got the con crud. That's right. That hit me pretty hard, unfortunately. That was the Captain con crud. Yep. Yep. So, with that said, I am also, let's see, I'm going to be doing what I did on that when I was painting. I'm going to drink another Winter Grind, and of course I have the worst cookies in the world for you to munch on, which is those sugar those. cookies with, you know, like 80 pounds of frosting. I think each one of them is like 1,050 calories. Those cookies are amazing. Talk about heresy. They yes. need They need an exterminatus because I cannot stop eating them. Oh, I know. They're completely horrible for you. So with that said, guys, um, let's have a good night. Cheers. 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 That's still good beer. That's real good beer. Hey, Trevor, you want to taste? 
<laughs> I would love. Yeah. Could you just pour some down there? Yeah, there you go. Take, <laughs> take a sip. Just pour it in the mic. <laughs> yeah. So, all right. So, Trevor, we have you on the show because you have a new game coming out. Yeah. Um, and the name is Breachstorm. Yep, with E A. E A. Spelled B R E A C H. Yeah. The other one. <laughs> <laughs> with that said um you actually i've actually seen these roles and talked about these roles a lot more than everybody else has because i've been part of the beta to look at them or alpha i should say when an alpha alpha beta omega whatever yeah the giant chicken yeah yeah and so i've been looking at those rules um, and stuff, and you and I have actually talked about it before because you had some questions about other things going on with what you were doing. Um, but let's talk about the quick and dirty. Um, we're all about the fluff, and I know that you're still working on that. What is what's the story? What's what what is Breachstorm fluff wise? What's the universe? Yeah. So the yeah the setting. Yeah. Um, so it's a science fiction universe. It's uh, sort of um, essentially framed in the distant future. Uh, the uh, you know it's it's far enough in the future that the he, sort of humanity has uh, has forgotten its its ancestral homeworld. It's uh, you know Earth is is sort of a bygone memory, um, but it's sort of it's set in um, sort of the the stellar space around uh where we are in the galaxy so it's not you know an enormous galaxy spanning um setting it's it's within a couple thousand light years of of where earth is um but essentially there are uh several factions that control this area of space um the technology has advanced to a point that uh sort of large-scale conflict is um is too destructive really to be um to be beneficial to anyone uh the big engagements are usually taken care of by uh you know these enormous war fleets and and orbital bombardments and fusion bombs and you know nanoviruses and, and all these things like that so uh the game is is framed around sort of uh, black operations, um, special forces uh, trying to complete specific specific objectives, um, that and they're deployed by these these big factions, uh, kind of uh, off the books, um, in order to uh, to uh, you know grab uh, grab intelligence from each other or uh, destabilize their hold on specific sectors, um, and it's essentially just uh, a, a, an intergalactic cold war, you know, an interstellar cold war be between these these uh, these large factions of the game. Okay. Um, one thing I noticed when we were we that we were talking is um, that this is going to be a small model count game. This is not going to be like a hundred models or fifty models or forty models. It's going to be like ten to twelve. Yeah, the average uh, team size for a list is going to be like between six and eight. Okay. Uh, so you're going to have you know twelve to uh, sixteen models on the on the table, basically. Okay. Um, we actually have a slideshow, and uh, we're going to go through the slides. If you could talk about the slides and just give a little insight to our viewers about what it is, um, I'll bring that up. Give me one sure. second. So, so these are um, these are some of the yeah, pictures that you sent us, and these are all, of course, work in progress. 
These are not final artwork and everything. Who are we looking at right now? Yeah, so this is um, this. So we have four factions to start with. Uh, two of them we've essentially going to, uh, you know, fully design the first wave of releases for. Um, the other two are going to be we're, we're going to design them, but we're not going to sculpt or cast anything. Uh, there'll be stretch goals on our Kickstarter, which is happening this summer. Um, this guy's from one of the first two factions. He's from a faction called the Homeworld Confederacy, which is uh, the human faction, um, and he's uh, he's part of their sort of marine unit type. Um, and he's a, a, a support gunner. So essentially, this guy um, goes along with uh, fire teams of, of Marines, the, the sort of backbone unit type in that particular uh, set is a, a rifleman. Um, and the whole the whole theme of this group is that they um, they is essentially have overlapping buffs they're able to give each other that make their attacks more powerful the more they work together. Uh, so not only do they become more accurate, the more they shoot at single targets, but this guy in particular has special ammo types he can apply to his gun that can um, that can apply debuffs to enemy models. Um, he can uh, give them what are called suppression tokens, which stop them from moving, and he can also like reduce, uh, increase the amount of damage they take uh, and reduce their resilience against damage, basically. Um, but oh. the idea is is that uh, all of the for this faction anyway, they use a lot of um, electromagnetically propelled projectile weapons so like you know coil guns or rail guns mm -hmm. and they, they um they basically fire this caseless ammunition that they're, they're able to adapt on the fly uh, within the weapon so that they can um they can do a, you know a lot of cool stuff and most of the kind of a theme of a lot of the models in this particular faction is that they can do a lot different things with their ranged attacks um so yeah i don't know if we have any more of those guys we sure. do um i, I do Sweet. have a question um, you ask away the, uh, I noticed that this, of course, this is a 3d render from a software and the base is square, but it actually is going to be on a round base as in we've got coming up. Correct. Right. Yeah. They'll be on 30 millimeter round bases, just like a war machine model or, or something like that. Yeah. Okay. Now, does it come on the base or is it going to be separate and you attach it to the base or will I have to cut it off of its base so that I can make a base for it? Um, they will, uh, they'll have like just a mounting bar, you know, that'll go into a slot. Of okay. Basically. Like a sprue. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. All right. All right. Next picture. It looks like, um, another 3d render. And these look Ooh, like your exciting screenshot from my phone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Like the cat people. You guys are, you guys are really getting the inside track. <laughs> I love the cat people. Yeah. So, uh, these guys are from a faction called Zrenthar Prides. Uh, and I think I, I sent you a couple models that, that I painted up for for. Um, mm -hmm. I got those a little bit later. Of these sculpts, yeah. Uh, the guy on the top there with a the gun is is called a pack leader. Um, so th this faction, they're uh, they're felinoid, so they're cat-like, and um, they have a, a lot more emphasis on close combat, um, and their society has sort of a strict code of honor. And so, yeah. <laughs> um, and so the 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 gimmick of the faction essentially is they get what are called fury tokens when uh, friendly models around them are destroyed. Um, oh, I'm getting a note from. Can you guys hear me? Okay. Yeah. Yes. I, uh, yes. You're good. Is telling me that I'm having an issue with my. Don't listen to it. Microphone. You're fine. <laughs> You're fine. Oh now. Am I am I coming through? Yeah, yeah, yeah. you're fine. You're fine, guys. Yeah, yeah let us know. Trevi says he's having some issues on there. If uh, you can hear him, make sure to let us know. 
Yeah. Uh, everything I, uh, sounds to be good on our end, but we want to make sure. Okay. Very interruption there. I don't know what's wrong. Maybe I'm a loose on my connection a little bit. Um, anyway, uh, so these guys get um, they get these fury tokens when uh, models around them are destroyed, and the, the fury tokens let them make additional melee attacks. So they're they're trying to get to, to close range to um, to get some you know put some hurt on, and uh, sort of as they're approaching up the field. Um, if you're, you know, you're running into a gun line or something, you're going to become more powerful the more uh, the enemy shoots at you, essentially. So mm -hmm. the the guys who who end up getting there are going to, um, you know, pack a wallop, <laughs> basically. All right, and then our next one. This is like one yeah. model with a 3D rotation. Right. Yeah. So that's just a, a screenshot um, of the rotation. Yeah, that's a pack warrior. He's the sort of base infantry for the Zrenthrar Prides, which is the, the name of the faction. Um, they have this cool plasma weaponry. So you, you can see he has his gun there. He also, you know, he carries around swords on his back to hit people with. Um, but the uh, the idea is, you know, obviously a, a plasma weapon fires these sort of pockets of ionized gas. Um, the cool thing about them is that the the way the game works um essentially the higher you roll on an attack roll the the more damage you're going to do because your the attack's more accurate uh these guys have a very low threshold to do minimum damage essentially on their ranged attacks because they don't need to directly hit their their target with the the attack because you know any hit around you is going to shower you with this like superheated gas and, and radiation. So uh, part of the cool the part about this plasma weaponry is that they're able to, um, you know, they're able to ding you up a little bit just by, by shooting the cover around you, essentially. Somebody, um, a thing from space just came on and said that you have tail armor on your cat and they love that you have tail armor on your cat. Um, absolutely. They have to keep those tails nice and, nice and safe. <laughs> also, are they prehensile? I mean, can you make a tail attack with those with spikes on it? Um, they they don't have a tail attack currently. I feel like they should. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Our next one looks like we have some three D printings of some models. Yes, yeah, these are some of the the models that we printed to um to demo with. Uh, the guys on the left there, um, the clear plastic guys. Uh, we we printed them from Shapeways, and uh, they were um those are the riflemen. Uh, for the Homeworld Confederacy faction mm -hmm. uh, in parts. Um, so the, the final sculpts will look a little, a little bit different. We'll, um, we'll probably recut the, the partitions a little bit between the bits. Uh, so I'm not sure if those, that, those are actually the parts that are going to come in. Okay. Yeah, okay. Just, and everybody should know that these are all pre, you know, this is all early work progress. This isn't final work. Um, I mean, definitely... You can't, I mean, because I, I want to bring up something because I was listening to your stream that you were doing uh, on Friday, and I'm going to bring that up when we get a little bit later in the progress, especially when we get to the painted pictures, uh, based on what, 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 was saw, what we saw and what I saw on the, the stream. Um, so it looks like another, some more 3D renders for the cat people? Yeah, so yeah, these are more um, uh, pack warriors. We actually have uh, three different sculpts for each of the generic infantry for each faction. So the riflemen for the Homeworld Confederacy and then the pack warriors for these guys, for the Zrenthrar. Um, we ended up only using two of each for the demo because we, we didn't need that many models. Mm -hmm. uh, but So there are there are still some sculpts that are as yet unseen, or some poses for the, these guys that we haven't shown off yet. Okay. Looks like another one of the Marines. Yeah, so that's the support gunner from a different angle this time. Um, 
he's got the the regular marines don't have quite heavy armor um as this guy he's got some augments uh but you can see there on his arm he has the you can see that's the exoskeleton of his armor um mm -hmm. and so that that's what uh th that's what sort of contributes a lot of the the um sort of lifting power because it's going to be sort of a self um sustaining or a, a um yeah, it's uh, it can hold itself up basically. I don't know. I lost my word. <laughs> <laughs> I gotcha. Yeah, yeah it's um, an exosuit. Right. Yep. And uh, so he's has a he has a heavier set um, so that he can he can uh, manage the recoil of that weapon because it's going to be pretty hefty. Okay. Another pose. Uh, yep. And there's the rifleman. Um, so that's just like those are the that's the pose that we had. Um, uh, uh, for the three D prints. Um. But yeah, that's just the, the basic poses, I'm sorry. How many poses are the uh, Confederacy guys in? Uh, so we have we have three different poses for the the riflemen, and then every we have one pose so far for all the other unit types. Uh, most of the factions are getting six unique profiles. Um, okay. So so we'll have uh, between six and nine sculpts, give or take. Uh, and we might do some alternate poses for the Kickstarter and um, uh, just some other ones just for fun, <laughs> I think. That'd be mm -hmm. cool. A lot of people really like the uh, Kickstarter exclusive, like alternative characters and stuff. Yep. yep. All right. We got Baldy. Yeah. Um, yeah. So this is um, uh, Lucas. He's a, a Homo Confederacy uh, character. Um He's um, he's cool. He's there, there's uh, two characters so far for the Confederacy uh, faction, two unique characters, and they're both very different um, in their scope. Essentially, the, the way the game works is that you have a number of these officer models that that can command your troops around and usually you'll bring two to three. Um, but each one can bring significantly different strengths and weaknesses to the, the orders that he's able to give his troops. Uh, this guy in particular is um, a, very static. He's a lot. Uh, he's very supporty. He's um, he's able to heal his troops and he's able to uh, make their weapons more accurate um, when he commands them. Uh, the other character for this faction, which we don't have a sculpt yet for, is called Bastion. He's um, uh, he's actually a Zrenthrar, so he's a cat person uh, who works with these guys, and um, he's a lot more aggressive. He's able to move his guys around. Um, and he actually uh, he gives he makes them more accurate when they attack targets that are around him. So he's kind of leading from the front and uh, trying to get up the table. Okay, so you're now you you said the cat people Zinthar they are they have a model for this faction, or is it for the you're just saying the the two leaders one this leader is for the the human federation the other one is for Zinthar. Yeah. So there's okay. there's um well so Bastion is a he's an alien who works with the human faction. Okay. That's so cool. he's, um, yeah. So he's like a double agent, a traitor. Um, essentially. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's see. Um, another cat pose. Yep. So that's another pack warrior pose. Get his sword out, ready to lay down some smacking. Right. Um, and then here are some poses or some, some pictures we took at our, uh, at, at Captain Con, uh -huh. um, some demos and some exhibition games. Um, so you can see these guys. This is uh, Zrenthar sort of moving up the table behind some cover. Um, 
Yeah, this is from our demos. Uh, the guy who's being pointed at right now, is, is it the, he's a pack leader. He's the field officer we had in the demo for this run through our faction. Um, and then the, you can see. What's the clear yeah. plastic thing? Uh, so that's actually that's um, one of the scenario elements that we had for the demo. Um, you can see on the top right-hand corner, there's a dude who's got a little box behind him. He's carrying it around, and that's basically uh, an intelligence package that he's trying to get into that clear zone. Um, and every turn he, he's able to keep it in that zone, it would score uh, his team a point. Um, the, all of the scenarios in the game are asymmetric, so the the that's how... As Ren, um, we're scoring points in this demo scenario. The homeworld guys on the left-hand side uh, scored points by interacting with... There's a little console you can sort of see mm -hmm. uh, to the left there. And, and they were trying to call in reinforcements and, and sort of shoot down the craft that was coming to exfiltrate uh, the, the Zeran operatives. So they were um, they were trying to raise the alarm, basically. And so they would score points by, by interacting there. So... Um, we we're trying to showcase that sort of all of the scenarios are going to be asymmetric and work. You'd have different ways to score for each uh, each side. Gotcha. Um, and then some more uh, some more demos. You can see we're showing off some of the cool tokens we got. Um, we had these these were acrylic uh, proofs basically we had made with by Broken Egg. Um, ideally, we're going to have uh, punch board tokens available with the game, or you can sort of upgrade and get the the acrylic versions as well. Um, but you can see the the true Zern guys back there have those red tokens next to them, and those are Fury tokens because one of their guys was shot down, and so they were getting pretty angry. <laughs> gotcha. And then, yeah. Uh, and this is a, a a picture that I took from um, a, a full game that we played out at Captain Con. Uh, this was, I think, right after deployment, so these guys were were just about to to storm around the corner and and shoot some aliens. Another action pose. Yep, some more demo picks. You can see the guy on the left there um, carrying the box around. Uh, Xander's asking, there are only two factions right now. Um, we have two factions basically fully designed. Um, we're going to have four uh, in total. And um, we're coming out with our open beta within the next couple of weeks, and, and we'll have rules for all four factions available. Um, so you'll be able to, to give them a try. The other two factions are really cool and have some really cool mechanics as well. Uh, but the, the actual um, sculpting and casting for those obviously will be a, a, you know, a significant chunk of change. So those will be stretch goals for our Kickstarter. And um, so ideally, if we hit all our stretch goals, we'll have all four factions available at release. What's so I know one of them is uh, like insectoid, but what's the other one? Um, yeah, so uh, the the volley crit host are the insectoid guys, um, which are pretty cool. They're kind of a, a little more hordy, but they also they get resources by eating each other. So they have a, sort of a lot of chaff models that they can they can uh, get rid of to, to get resources. I find, I find that to be an interesting and funny uh, mechanic yeah, where pretty... they get power from eating each other. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they have these little guys. They have these little larvae that, that that crawl around that are sort of like nutrient dense, basically, and, and they're able to convert in you know immediately into energy. So, yeah, so, so they yeah they crawl around and and when the when the uh, the actual combat bugs need them, they uh, have a nice little snack and then uh, it's brutal. <laughs> Love yeah. it. Um, the, uh, yeah, the other faction though is called Orion Conclave. They're a little more reptilian. Um, and oh, cool. They, 
they have um, they have a lot of uh, sort of psychokinetic powers, and and they're able to manipulate the battlefield very uniquely. So they can uh, they can move enemy models around. They can push you out of cover um, so that you know they can they can gun you down. And uh, they're also very focused on sort of stealth mechanics. So um, their their primary mechanic is that they have these. Um, they're called adaptive combat skins, but they're basically a, a, a special, um, you know, combat suit that they have that's able to adapt itself, um, hence the name. Is it like to... a chameleon sort of camouflage kind of right. thing? Right, yeah, but each um, each model type individually has a, a number of different enhancements they can give themselves that are basically them attuning themselves with their suit. Um, so their basic infantry sort of start with kind of mediocre stats, but they're able to make themselves better at shooting or melee depending on what, the tactical situation requires um, uh, things like that. There's a character who makes himself like very difficult to kill. There's um, uh, some models that, that make themselves faster uh, to get into melee, for, for example. But um, a, uh, across the faction, they have um, an ability to basically turn themselves invisible, which means that the next time somebody shoots at them and hits, um, you cancel the dice. Instead, they miss, and then your guy places within three inches. So he's, uh, you know, he's. I wasn't really here the whole time. I was right. around this corner. <laughs> yeah, you know, people are just trying to spray, <laughs> spray bullets around and, and try wow, to. Wow, that's cool. So, and they uh, they like to eat the insects, right? Uh, you know. <laughs> yeah, they are pretty big <laughs> against the insects. Yeah, the uh, the insect faction has a, a a big weakness. They can bring more models to the table than any of the other factions. Um, their their basic infantry are about half as expensive as as anybody else's. Um, but the, their big weakness is that you know being insects, they sort of have to look for it to a to a queen essentially or, or something to tell them what to do. Okay. So their so officers like a hive are. Mind um, so their officers are significantly more important than the rest of than than they are in, in other factions. Uh, so the ability to to you know move blocking models out of the way and, and shift their officer out so that uh, you know a powerful assassin can go murder them so is pretty important. If their officer dies, is it just game over for them? Uh, it's not necessarily game over. Um, and we, uh, uh, my friend Zach is actually I've been playtesting with. He he really likes that faction. He's been playing them a lot. Um, and he's actually been able to come up with some some pretty neat tricks once his officers have been killed. So it's not entirely game over, but it becomes very difficult to win, especially for that faction if all your officers all right. are dead. Who is this guy we're looking at? The uh, back of so this, this guy. Is, yeah, this is a Titan battle suit. That's another uh, model for the Homeworld Confederacy. Um, uh, essentially, it's, it's you know it's just a, a big mechanized. Um, there we go. There's his front. His beautiful face. Um, it's, a, it's a big, you know, mechanized combat suit, essentially, uh, that that's able to carry, you know, extremely heavy weaponry. Um, th this guy, they're not nearly as mobile as the as the foot troops, but they put out a, a ton of firepower. They have some of the, the most powerful ranged weapons in the game, um, including that big missile launcher on his shoulder. Uh, that's is pretty cool. It, it, it has indirect fires. So it's able to shoot over um, intervening terrain. Um, which is pretty important for the the faction because they there's a lot of cover in the game it tends to be a lot of big buildings and so they having a, a way to, to to get around it is uh is pretty important for the homeworld confederacy. Let's see. Yep. Looks like your action cat. Action cat. Yeah, that's uh <laughs> yeah Chris Johnson gave him the, the <laughs> wonderful moniker action cat. Um. <clears throat> uh, excuse me. Uh, that's a um, uh, first claw. That's another officer for the Zrentar faction. Um, this this model actually came out really cool. And this was a big hit, uh, I think, with almost everybody who's who's who uh, who's seen it. But 
Um, the the other sort of basic officer for this faction is the pack leader, which we used in the demo, um, who's a lot more support oriented, who, you know, giving people accuracy, and he is he is able to activate more troops every turn. Uh, whereas this guy, um, he uh, he has. Um, a, a very low order value, which means he's not able to command as much as many infantry as a, a normal officer is, but he does uh, have some of the... I think he has the highest melee damage output in the game currently. Um, and he's able to give out fury tokens when he destroys enemy troops. So he's uh, a very much of a, a lead from the front kind of guy uh, jumping around and, and cutting people down with that big spear. That sounds like my kind of stuff. <laughs> Um, and then, yeah, these are some of the models I painted up for, for our demos at Captain Con. Um, and I was, I, did, I, I was uh, totally planning on taking some nicer pictures that aren't just on my painting table. <laughs> uh, but uh, fortunately, I, the, the flu's hit me pretty hard this weekend, so I wasn't yeah. able to do that. Um, right. But hopefully uh, we'll have some, uh, some, some better pictures next week um, up on our website and on our Facebook page. Um, we have some cool custom terrain we got that I want to set them up with. But unfortunately, oh, cool. Yeah time to do that but yeah these are the the some of the demo models we had for the strength uh for um captain khan you can see the two pack warriors on each side and then the pack leader models in the middle and then i took this is a picture i took of the the first claw there on the left and then the battle suit on the right before i started painting them and then here are the uh, Confederate models we had for the demo. Um, the guy in the back there uh, doing the hand signal is a fire team leader, so he's basically just a generic officer for this faction. Um, he, he's able to shift models around um, outside of their activation, which is pretty useful, especially if you have multiples of them, so that you can you can actually like get a lot of out of activation movement. Um, but other than that, he's essentially just kind of a souped up uh, rifleman, and then the, you can see the three riflemen in the top there. Um, Oh, and we're back to the beginning. And we're back. All right, let's we're go back. back to those big screens. So we got questions that we want to ask about it. Um, cool. Now, of course, the 3D renders are more detailed, have more sculpting and different lines and stuff than your uh, 3D prints. What type of thing are you going to be doing whenever this goes full? What are you? What is your plans for the type? Are you going to be doing resin? You're going to be doing plastic? Um, you're going to be doing, you know, what, metal? what metal, what, what, are, what, what are your thoughts and plans on doing that? Yeah. So they, um, uh, what we have worked out right now is that the, uh, the, uh, models would be the final versions will be, uh, uh, basically a spin cast plastic, which would be sort of a resin plastic mix, mm -hmm. which is kind of a happy medium between the two. So it's not quite as fragile as, as resin um not for those of us who like to file mold lines right yeah <laughs> um so it'll uh it, it'll be you know more robust than resin but uh we, we don't have the same sort of upfront uh cost that we would have to do injection molding essentially um the other cool thing that lets us do is we're able to dye the molds so that or, or, or dye the casts so that we're um we're gonna have um all of the models in their factions color uh, so for the, the people who, um, who haven't yet got to painting their models, they'll still have, uh, they won't just be, um, boring gray, which will be fun. Um, I like boring gray. Yeah. <laughs> <paint> over it. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, Friday I was listening to you and you, 
you recently did your first demo of the game at a big convention, which was Capticon. Um, how did that go, by the way? Uh, it was awesome. We ran um, over 50 demos, which blew me away. It was a lot. <laughs> um, one thing that you that you said on there, that um, one person said that the models seemed to be too small, and you said that you were going to increase their size. That uh, that they said that... Because the, what, what are they? Were they 30 millimeters? So, yeah, they're, they're essentially... Right now, they're based on a 30 millimeter... Um, and the the way we have it right now is that they're they're not quite heroic scale, which means that sort of heroic scale has kind of blown up. Um, a lot of physical features are blown up, so like hands and faces and um, and weapons usually tend to be a little expanded. And and we're a little more on the true scale side of that, um, but we're we're at about thirty millimeters right now. And uh, the the reason I brought that up on the stream is that actually multiple people mentioned that they'd like to see the models a little bit bigger. Uh, especially painters who wanted a, a little bit bigger of a canvas to paint on, mm -hmm. and so um, definitely taking that to heart. And I think we're gonna we're gonna bust up about five percent and get to about thirty-two millimeters. Okay. Um, I think thirty-two or thirty-three seems to be the average of what game companies are producing these days. Yeah, they say like twenty-eight to thirty, but it's really like thirty. It's yeah, like like Malifaux, for instance. I think they actually say it's thirty-three millimeters. So. Yeah. Yep. So yeah. So that's where we're going. Um, I I did uh, um, uh, on a lark. I printed out one at uh, that was about plus ten percent. So it was about around thirty five millimeters or so, and it was way too big. Uh, it reminded me of like the Star Wars Legion models that when you yeah, look at it, I was just like, this is this is weird. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to get too crazy right. and and so, go too big with right. them. I mean, I mean eventually, and maybe even as a Kickstarter like way stretch goal you could offer like some kind of decorative larger size you know like 54 72 millimeters something yep. for people who want to go crazy with the painting for display yeah absolutely and that's actually something i was i was talking to people at captain con um they were interested in um especially the marine models are pretty intricate uh when you get in they have a lot of details on of the the technology on their armor which is really cool and a lot of people were like man i, I you know i would paint a, a six inch tall version of this <laughs> yeah i mean at a smaller scale a lot of that detail gets lost yeah. but at a, at a larger scale i mean you don't want to make the game that much because otherwise your footprint for the table is going to be enormous yeah, yeah. <laughs> for sure um so let's, let's get into the rules and everything because kathy's all about the hobby i'm all about the rules and the gameplay and i've already seen it uh i've already played a couple of games i've already tested it out even with some of my students um and stuff um so each faction has their own little shtick Sure. So the human federation has the ability to what's their what makes them unique to to the other factions. Um, so they have a rule uh, that's uh, common across all their models called concentrate fire, which uh, assigns concentrate fire tokens to models that they shoot at at the end of their activation, and and those tokens basically say that if you have concentrate fire, you get extra accuracy for each token that's on the on the target. Mm -hmm. um, so essentially, the more they 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 focus fire on single targets that you know they kind of cascade uh their uh, their accuracy and they get more and more powerful the the more uh they work together as a team essentially okay and i excuse me i don't know all the full names the cat people yeah the zrenthrar um they have the, their whole faction has a rule called vengeful um which says that when a friendly model dies within six inches they get a fury token um 
they have a lot of the, the their faction is actually re really interesting because they have a lot of sort of economy built into it uh working with these fury tokens um there's a support model in the faction called the dream speaker uh, who, who's a, a psychokinetic basically a psychic powers um and they're able to move those fury tokens around so if somebody's about to die and you're going to lose all those fury tokens you can you know put them on somebody else who's uh who's uh, can make more use of them um and then uh, their basic infantry have uh, an, a special action they can do, which um, says that they'll give out an additional fury token when they die. So you can kind of s start with a wave of like kind of chaff, and then when they go down, um, your more powerful models who are backing them up are gonna hit really hard. Okay. And the insect ones. Um, so they also they uh, they also use fury tokens um, similar to the this Renthrar faction, but uh, they use them in different ways. So basically, um, they get them when they eat each other. They have a, a, a special action they can do called consume, and, and they kill you know somebody within two inches of them, and they get two fury tokens, which is a lot, actually. Um, but uh, some of their models um, have different ways of spending fury tokens. So, so for example, there's a model called the Spitter, who has um, a, an AoE ranged attack, and they're able to add different uh, modifiers to their ranged attack by doing an action, uh, the cost of which they can spend using those fury tokens so they can basically um you know eat eat little guys and use them to load their gun basically and then <laughs> um <laughs> and then uh, they can apply debuff standing models they can even um apply uh infestation tokens which basically work like a little chest burster from aliens where when you kill them uh, uh you know a little um a little crawler who's their their basic infantry pops out and uh so that's pretty fun. <laughs> um, do we have TV concept of the art of that uh, concept art of them coming out? Um, I mean, yeah, it will be coming out. I don't have it right now, but okay. we're definitely, yeah, um, we're uh, focusing on the Conclave faction right now is what we're on. And that's is that your last one? Yeah. So that's the sort of the they're a reptilian kind of psychic faction, um, and they have uh, what are they? They basically. In the the final design is is basically they're going to have a separate stat card, um, so they'll have a card. We actually have some of the the cards from our demos over here. So here's what their here's what the card looks like. Ooh, um, and they'll have a separate one. This is we'll probably this is a little big. We we blew it up for the for the demo. Uh, we'll probably have it on like a tarot card size, so it'll be. Um, I don't remember the the exact dimensions of that, but it's probably like um, four inches by two inches or so. Um, and, but they'll have a separate uh, two and a half by three and a half card that has a list of enhancements on it. Um, and that's the uh, abilities that their suit can give them. And they're able to assign tokens to those abilities. And they have a lot of their officers have a lot of economy based on those tokens. So um, you have models that say, like, when you assign a token to an enhancement, you can pick another model within six inches and they can assign a token to the same enhancement and, and stuff like that. So they can. Um, they can become really efficient in how they're able to turn on these different systems in their suits. Mm -hmm. um, who's doing, if you can't answer that's okay. Who's doing your 3d modeling and your, your cards and your uh, token sets. I know you said broken egg was doing your token sets. Yeah. Uh, so the plastic ones. I've been working with uh, Chris Johnson and mechanical studios to do um, all the graphic design. Um, yeah, so he's been absolutely awesome to, to work with. Uh, he's done all of our cards, um, and he's gonna do, you know do some other, and, and our tokens as well. And he's gonna do some other work for us uh, in the future. Um, I I don't know. I haven't uh, talked to the sculptors about um, 
sort of given up the name, so I don't know. Okay, that's no problem. Oh, we understand. Um, yeah, because yeah, <laughs> Chris is doing stuff for us too right now. Um, so he's I've, Chris and I have been we've been friends for twelve or so years. So I know what he does. He's really good yeah. at his stuff. Um, now I've looked at your gameplay, and you have some unique things that how the game is set up. Because uh, typically on most games, you just lay out terrain. You put out your miniatures, you lay out a scenario and objectives, and you go for it. Your setup is a little bit different, which I actually kind of like, but I have some questions about it. Sure. Uh, so can you describe how your terrain is set up and how it's set up for a game? Yeah, so... Um, and like why it's saying, this way. Sure. Um, so like I was saying before, um, all of the scenarios in the game are asymmetric. And actually, um, when you build your list to play a game you actually pick your your objectives while you're building your list so you you have an attack and a defense objective um and then essentially the player who's going first is the attacker and they deploy their attack objective and the other player deploys their defense objective and then that that determines how you're going to score for that game um and basically how you're going to win is that you're going to be able to complete your objective every turn and stop your opponent from completing the, their objective, basically. So the, the combination of the two objectives works in a kind of synergistically to create a, a whole scenario. Um, then when you're setting up the table, uh, there's a pool of terrain, and um, the, the plan is to include that as punchboard terrain uh, inside the, the kit when you buy it. Um, so it's kind of 2D terrain friendly, but all of the terrain rules are super abstract, so you can um, you can use basically whatever terrain you have on hand or whatever you want, or you can model it specifically to, to fit on the templates, essentially. Um, uh, for an example, we, there, there's a, a, a template called Obscuring Terrain, which basically blocks line of sight, but you can still move through it. Um, and on one of our tables that we've created, we have a it, it's a kind of a desert theme, and we have a dust cloud that uh, represents that terrain. But on another table, we have a jungle. And both of those mechanically work the same because they're both obscuring terrain, but uh, they're very different depending on um, sort of what the theme of the table is, basically. Um, so uh, the the way it works is that the, the attacking player places a, a piece of terrain on the table, and then the defending player places a piece of terrain, and you go back and forth until all the terrain's placed. So the, the players take turns deploying all the terrain before the game starts. Um, and the idea behind that is between the objective and the terrain placement, all of that is factored into the strategy of the game like before you even deploy a model. So um, it, thematically, uh, a, a crack team of special uh, forces uh, operatives would um, do their best work to scope out and, uh, and find sort of the, um, the, the best terrain for them to, uh, to try to complete their objective. You know, they're going to approach it in a certain way. Um, and, and to try, try to represent that, we, we had players deploy the train, but it also, um, you're, you're sort of never, you know, in a competitive format, you're, you're not, you're never going to be kind of, you know, screwed by a TO who wants to put down a huge river in the front, in the middle of the table or whatever, <laughs> um, or something like that. Uh, so you, you always have control over, uh, over what your terrain, um, is going to look like and over the, you know enormous number of, of test games that we've ran we've never really had the same table come up twice um, and it's always it's always cool because we we kind of can create a narrative based on the terrain that's being put down so if all the buildings on the table um, get put in one corner you know it, it ends up looking like we're on the outskirts of a settlement but if they're scattered around it looks like we're on a kind of a through fair of a, of a large a larger um, you know city or something like that um, so I think it ends up working really well. 
and, and I'm sure there's rules about placing terrain. Where, like you can't put, can you put things on top of each other? Uh, no, it, it has to go at least two inches from any other piece of terrain, and then uh, most of the terrain has to go at least two inches from a scenario element. And none of it can go within six inches of a board edge, so you can't just like pick up terrain and throw it in the corner if you don't gotcha. want to deal with it. Nice. Okay. Um, what about the 3D aspect? So is there a height, like fall distance, or getting up and getting down, or is it just considered all just one? Yeah, so currently there's no, uh, there, there aren't kind of leveled terrain. There's no um, verticality in the terrain. Um, that was definitely, that was something that we, we we considered while we were creating the game. But one thing that I was, I'm pretty, um, uh, I think is pretty important is that the game be 2D terrain friendly. Uh, because that's not something that you that you really see in a sci-fi game. Normally, you know, even 40K, if you don't have a lot of terrain, you know, you don't have a store with a lot of terrain um, that is ready to go, you end up, you know, you have to schlep around a whole bunch of extra stuff to play mm -hmm. a game of 40K. And, you know, Infinity, I think, is the, is the worst defender for this. Like, the tables look amazing, but I've seen people to go play Infinity at their local store. They have to bring a whole you know, a whole briefcase yep. full of extra, extra buildings and things like that. And that was, um, you know, that, that was something I was, I was trying to avoid. I think certainly for narrative play, um, and, and sort of more casual things, absolutely. Uh, we're going to create rules for, for verticality, um, for sort of the core system and the competitive aspect will, will stick to 2d stuff for now. Okay. Let's let, let's get into the nitty gritty. How is the game ran? What's our dice pool? What's 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 our dice mechanics like? Is it I roll one d six? You know, two d six? Is it just simple? I mean, do we use d twelves? Do we? I mean, we saw the d sixes in there, which is the common one. But I mean, how is it? What's the what's the what's the core easy mechanic that you could go through? Sure. Um, so. Uh... Essentially, the, the attack mechanic is really interesting. And people at Captain Con were really, um, were actually really impressed by it, which I, I, I really liked. Um, they tended to pick it up pretty fast, which is something I was a little worried about because trying explaining it uh, to people takes a couple of steps. Um, so I wonder, I have some dice, and I wonder if I could run through an attack real quick, if that makes sense. No, go ahead. Um, I, can, I, can, I can point my camera at the table. Okay. Let me try this. Let me give this a shot. Crush game. Um, point. I'll, yeah, I'll point my camera at at my desk here, and I'll grab okay. some dice, and I'll we'll take a quick look see. Um, so let's say I have a card. Let's see. I don't know if anybody can read this card, but uh, on your card, you'll have you have your weapon statistics here. Um, each weapon has an accuracy value, which is the number of d sixes you roll when you make an attack. So let's say, so this is a, a rifleman. If he's making a, an attack with his combat blade, which is melee attack, um, he's accuracy four. So he'll roll four dice. So what you do is you pick your top three dice from the roll. So I got a three and then a four, five, and six. So that was a pretty good roll. If I was playing ship captain crew, I'd be really super happy. Um, <laughs> you always pick the top three dice in the roll. So I would get rid of the three and I would be left with a 15. So if I was making an attack against this pack warrior, you have an evade value, which is basically your defense if you're playing War Machine, um, and you subtract the evade from the... Um, somebody keeps texting me. I'm going to turn that off. 
get out of here. All right. Uh, you subtract the evade from the die roll. So I would have an eight. And then you take a look at your chart. So actually, that was actually a really good roll. Um, your chart has three different sort of result ranges. You have a glancing hit, which is on this guy is a two plus. So if the result of the three dice minus the evade was a two plus, I would get a four. If it was a five plus, I would get a six. But I got an eight plus, so he does seven damage. Um, so uh, if he was using his ranged weapon, for example, he's only accuracy three. So he's going to roll three dice, and he's not going to get rid of any of them. So he would get a 10. If I was shooting at an evade of 7, my result would be a 3. And a 3 on his chart is his glancing hit, which is 2 plus, or, or 2 damage. What about, um, now, do they have armor like they soak, or is it that built into the evade? Uh, so they have, take a look at some cards here. So you can see uh, on the side here, there are these little... Um, defenses and most infantry just have one um, but models like this guy is a pack leader he has multiple and you can pick from them um, and basically you can pick one of those and apply it to the attack um, so armor reduces the amount of damage that um, the, the weapon would do so the amount of damage that your chart says so if I was doing seven damage he would reduce it to six gotcha. um, most officers have this uh, resist defense which halves the amount of incoming damage. Now, I know you have a special um, thing that goes with the officers, that the officers actually do something besides be a team leader. Mm -hmm. And they're not just the unit command. They actually do something in the game besides stand there and have a little bit better stats. What, right. what, what, are the, what do the officers or leaders do specifically that change the way the game is played? Yeah, so basically the way the... the the uh, turn the, the round structure of a game works is that you have um it, it's essentially alternate activations so you know i pick a model to activate and then you pick a model to activate uh the twist is that um you have to start by activating your officers and your officers have order tokens which they can then spend to activate infantry models that are around them so uh, if you have two or three officers, usually what happens is you, you each end up taking two or three turn, like sort of little mini turns where you oct activate an officer and then a couple infantry and then your opponent activates an officer and a couple infantry and then you go back and forth until all the models have activated. Um, in addition, officers also have bonuses they can give out. They can spend order tokens instead of activating guys to give them buffs. Um, uh, you know, to, to give out accuracy, sometimes to heal models, uh, you know, all sorts of things depending on, on the officer in question. Okay. Um, so whenever we're playing, so say, say you and I are playing a game sure. and we've done the role to deploy. I would like that gun. Well, I'll be at Adepticon <laughs> and we can do a demo game and I will stream it for us. Sweet. Uh, we're going to be, a... Kathy and I are going to be doing a lot of stuff like that. So we'll, we'll, we'll video it and put it on there so people can see what a demo game looks like. Um, so say you and I, we've, we've rolled and set up our terrain and our terrain set up. And what's deployment like? I mean, is it model model or is it whole faction, whole faction? Like War Machine Hordes? Um, yeah, the, the attacking player sets up all their models and then the defending player sets up all their models. Okay. Um, the board is on a three by three. Okay. And then and the deployment zone for each each player is uh, 12 inches up from their table edge. So you're able, if you want, you can deploy very far forward. And um, 
the so the attacking player if if they if they want to they can you know put a ton of pressure on the defending player um by deploying you know right up at the 12 at the, that 12 inch line uh the deploying defending player does have some counterplay and that you know they can stay out of threat ranges by just deploying a little bit farther back and i'm guessing it's all pre-measure yep yeah, you, you can pre-measure whatever you want yeah um and so you were talking alternating turns and you were saying i activate one of my leaders that leader says this guy's going to move and this guy's going to move and this guy's going to shoot and then you go with one of your leaders yeah essentially so what happens if um i've got all my leaders and they've done everything but i still have two guys that have not that weren't part of the that group in the leader what happened to those two guys um so once uh yeah once once you basically go to look to activate another field officer and you can't you just activate a normal infantry mm-hmm. um and those the normal infantry don't tend to be quite as effective if they don't have a, an officer telling them what to do um you, you, know, you can imagine that they're a little confused <laughs> they don't have any guidance somebody please help me um so what happens if my officer dies what about um, those other guys so if all of your officers are dead, then um, basically every time it's it's your turn to activate a model, you would activate a single infantry. So it's definitely beneficial to keep your officers alive, right? Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Um, what do they have time... to keep them alive then? Do besides being just you know sniped out? I, I guess is the best word to put it. So they have um, the, uh, across the board, almost every officer has the resist defense, which is they're able to reduce incoming damage by half. Um, so they're significantly more resilient than a regular infantry who doesn't who's not going to have that. Um, they tend to have around the same like sort of base number of hit points. But because of that defense, they can it's usually um, functionally about twice as many. They're about twice as hard to kill. Um, and what about terrain? Is there like negatives to hit me if I'm sitting behind a certain amount of cover or yeah, uh, ben- so what are bonuses and negatives of terrain? So basically, um, there's sort of two ways of getting defense from terrain. Most of the terrain on the table gives you cover. Um, if you're base to base with it. So if you're base to base with a piece of cover, um, in the example that I showed, uh, where you're rolling dice to attack, if your target is benefiting from cover, what you do is before you pick your three dice, you discard the highest result of the roll. So um, if I was only three accuracy and I rolled a six, I would get rid of the six and I would be left with only two dice. So it's significantly more difficult to hit people um, if they're behind cover. If they're not touching a piece of terrain, um, but they're still behind it, or if they're in uh, obscuring terrain, which is like the, uh, the, the, the clouds or forests, like I was talking about before, um, then they're obscured, which uh, instead of removing the highest result of, result of the roll, just removes the die before you roll. So it's not quite as impactful, but it's still pretty annoying, especially if you don't have a lot of dice in your pool to start with. Um, how do I know that a piece of terrain is going to provide cover? Is it just because that's when I lay it down, this one says cover? Or does it matter so about height of the volume? Are y'all doing volumes? There are... Um, there, there's only a couple types of terrain that's, that are in the pool. There's uh, obstructions, which are, you know, basically like they are in War Machine. They provide cover, and they're big buildings or rocks or, you mm-hmm. know, big solid pieces of terrain. Uh, there are low obstructions, which are, uh, in, in talking in War Machine terms, they would be like, um, like linear obstacles. Uh, and there's a couple different shapes that are in the pool. Um, but they're basically like obstructions that you can see over. So they still give you cover, um, but you're able to see and move over them. 
Uh, and then there's obscuring terrain and difficult terrain. And obscuring terrain blocks line of sight if you're not in it, essentially. Um, and if you're if you're shooting at somebody who's in it, then they would be obs- uh, obscured. Um, and then difficult terrain doesn't provide any benefit, but slows you down if you're moving into it, obviously. Um, but so, so essentially, all of the all of the um, the obstructions and the low obstructions give cover if you're base to base, or you obscure you if you're behind it and not base to base. And then the obscuring terrain obscures you if you're in it. Uh, and that's basically it. That's like you know all the terrain rules we have currently. Uh, what about movement? Because um, I did notice that on some of the cards there was like looks like some movement values. Do you have like a run, a charge, um, or is it just like everybody moves at one speed? So basically, how it works is that um, when you activate, you have a number of actions. Uh, most models in the game have three or so. Uh, there are some officers that have more, and some models are you know able to to use different tokens to uh, in place of actions essentially. Um, but for each action, you can you know, make an attack or a move. Um, and so there's no real rule for running, but you could just spend all your actions to move if you wanted. Gotcha. Um, one of the things we wanted is we wanted to kind of make all the models feel super badass, and because like they're kind of these like special operations commandos, so we wanted to make them feel like action heroes. So um, the, all of the activations in the game are like super freeform. There's not order you have to do anything in. Like in War Machine, like you have to move and then you make your attacks. But uh, in this game, like if you start in melee, you could stab the dude who you're in melee with and then you pull out your sidearm and you cap another guy and then you run around a corner and, you know, shoot another guy. Uh, you can have these like crazy activations where your guy does a bunch of different things and it feels really cool. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, how do you win? Uh, so you can murder everyone who is opposing you. Okay. Um, or uh, in um, in a, a regular uh, full scale game, um, you whoever at the end of each round, whoever has at least three scenario points and more than the opponent wins immediately. Um, so essentially, uh, you you can you can prolong the game by. Um, by scoring <laughs> at the same rate. So if you're both scoring a point a turn, essentially, which is a, about the um, uh, about the uh, the the rate at which you score, um, then you can just tie every turn. But as, basically, as soon as you're able to score your scenario by by doing whatever it is you need to do and stop your opponent, then you'll you'll win. Um, in the uh, as an example, in the demo, we didn't. Uh, have a threshold of three. We basically said as soon as somebody has more points than the other person, then they'd win. Um, the Zren player could score by just moving their intelligence into that clear zone we talked about. Mm-hmm. The Homeworld player could score by pressing the button on their little uh, their little console they had to interact with. Um, and at any point, if you were able to stop your opponent doing that before the end of the round and do your part of it, then you would win. Um. Oh, there was something on my mind I totally forgot. Uh, being that it's on a 3x3, three three, it seems like actions pretty much start and the combat starts really quickly. Like, you're not you're not having a turn to really set up. You're right. not maneuvering? Yeah, there isn't really... There's there's no, like, turn run that, like, there is in War Machine where all your dudes, you know, get up to the, their positions. Um, uh, you can you can definitely, if, if you're not really paying attention um and you you uh screw up your deployment you can uh you can have some bad surprises if your opponent has long threat ranges there don't tend to be threat ranges that are super long that are also like impactful because the more you oh go ahead by threat range do you mean like the uh the distance the weapons can fire and stuff yeah, basically, um, it's a term we use in War Machine a lot, but basically the distance at which you can move and then also 
make an attack. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm not a War Machine player. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> yeah, I got you. I'm, I'm using a lot of the silly terminology. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, but the because you have to spend action tokens to both move and attack, the farther you have to move, the less attacks you're going to make. So a lot of times, like, you can move really far and hit the person one time, but your hit's not going to kill them. Like they'll be tickled a little bit, and then yeah, so probably yeah. they're not. That makes sense. They're not what no, nobody's a one wound model per se, right? Um, yeah, you can see on some of the cards like the the median. Uh, we have little damage tracks up here, like in War Machine, and the median hit points tends to be about twelve. So okay, it takes it takes a quite a bit to to put somebody down, but if they're out in the open and taking a bunch of fire, they can definitely go down pretty fast. Yeah. What uh, was the question uh, Xander had? Xander was wanting to know about I'm trying to go back. He was talking about the exosuits and he was talking to ask if there was like a jumping or a bonus movement because they were wearing exosuits. Oh, the uh, for the homeworld guys. Oh, yeah. Do, no, do, the, they, do, do those guys have a super jump for the exoskeleton? Uh, currently, they don't. Uh, unfortunately, the suits weigh quite a bit. So they're <laughs> they uh, they don't propel themselves in the air right now. But there's definitely. They don't There's have super hydraulic space there. <laughs> what's a what's the standard average? I guess to say range distance of weapons and movement. Because I'm guessing like um, cat people may move a little faster. Yep. Yeah, so they move they move five inches with every move action rather uh -huh. than uh, than four, which is what most of the other factions have. Um, so the so yeah, four to five inches is usually what a move gets you. Um, there are also other actions that can make you a little more efficient in making attacks. Uh, mm -hmm. There's an assault action, which is a three-inch move, and then a melee attack, and a storm action, which is a three-inch move and a ranged attack. Uh, those make things a little more fluid. Um, a lot of the Zren Thrar models have both assault and storm, so they're able to make these, you know, do these cool activations where they can like move and then storm and shoot you and then assault and hit you with their sword, and, and they can get a lot of damage I on the play. I like the cat people. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you know, you can imagine they're you know they're they're jumping around a lot and 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 you know blasting away at you as they're uh, as they're kind of moving from cover to cover, which is pretty fun. Um, for the ranges, uh, twelve inches is the longest range in the game so far. Um, most sort of most range weapons are eight to ten. Okay. So you you're not yourself having like a heavy weapon option. Um, that that shoots like you know, like twenty inches or something, twenty four inches. Um, probably not. Uh, one of the things that we want to kind of uh, we want to make the game revolve around is is s sort of a little more of a frenetic kind of close range engagement. Um, obviously the game's called Breach Storm, and and that's um that comes from you know, that's like uh you know you want to kind of. Um, give you the idea that you're kind of breaching a building and then storming into it, which is obvious okay. that that is is a very close range engagement, which is not necessarily exactly what what's in the game, but that's the kind of idea we want to get across. That makes so, sense. Well, and I guess on a three by three, right? You're not like going to have a, a long range thing. And I'm, yeah. I'm like, yeah, I'm still on the whole four by six kind of table right. so in my head yeah because yeah. if you think of someone it, going game mechanics someone has a 14 inch range on their gun they move four now they've got 18 inches worth of threat they move four more you know they've got pretty much almost the entire board 
you know, that they can they can hit. So you've got to kind of, you know, it's it's, it's got to be short type range combat, or you just be like, I'm gonna take all the long range guys, shoot, 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 shoot. You know, and then it would be you know counterintuitive to what the game play is supposed to play like. Um, when you were talking about the different activations where everybody can do kind of three things. So say I'm in hand-to-hand combat or, you know, next to a guy, okay? Um, do are, are there ranges like weapons like uh, the melee range is half an inch? You know, a sword is two inches type thing, or is it all base-to-base? Um, so most models have a, a one-inch melee range. Okay. Um, uh, some models have a two-inch melee range, which um, is uh, kind of exceedingly powerful in the game yeah. uh, right now. Um, that first claw model I was I was showing you earlier has a two inch melee range and then uh, a defense called dodge, which they can use in response to an attack, which moves them two inches, um, which is uh, very difficult to deal with if you're if you're primarily ranged focus because you, they can move in and, and engage you at two inches and you, you aren't able to make range attacks while you're engaged and also you can't make melee attacks because they're not close enough yet and then you you know you can move out. There's no free strikes or anything in the game. Um, because it was actually we we found originally that was actually way too powerful, but um, you can move <laughs> out and shoot them again, and they'll just move back into melee with you. So uh, they can um, they can they're they're really kind of abusive. <laughs> uh, but yeah, most most things are one inch. There are a couple two inch things, um, which, which tend to be pretty powerful. So here here here's what I'm thinking. So each model has pretty much three actions, is what you're telling me. Just about yeah, with, with within an average, and so I've got two models. I can do the three-inch move, stab a guy with a knife, mm-hmm. move back behind cover, and then shoot a random guy, you know, off to the right that has like one hit point left. So I could put damage on one guy, backflip over the terrain feature. I'm just saying backflip because I'm a superhero, and I mean, then shoot the shoot the other guy that's in that's down that's got one hit point, and you know yep. do gun him down, gun him down ruthlessly. Um, nice. Absolutely, cool. you can do all of those things. That's cool. Um, what about characters? We're kind of going in a little bit of media section, but I don't want to. I, I kind of want to go with this. You were talking about the there was named characters. Is there there's going to be everybody has generic leaders and then everybody has named leaders, and of course you can only take one of the named leader. I'm guessing mm-hmm. type thing. Yep. Okay. Exactly. Um, there is. Uh, we, we've. Um, we didn't have them so much in the demo cards that we printed out, but there is also an upgrade system um, that so you can customize all of your, you know, your you can customize the models in your team, but you can also make the generic models um, sort of a little more flavorful. Uh, so there's upgrades. You can give them additional equipment, um, you know, additional sort of sidearms and things like that. Um, but you can also give them traits. Uh, so there's uh, there they are benefits and or drawbacks that you you can have uh, to to make e- each of your models unique. So you know I could have a whole team that's like six identical dudes, but I could have them all with slightly different abilities if I wanted to um, kind of make them a, a little more unique. If I wanted to make my little like Saving Private Ryan Band of Brothers kind of uh, <laughs> I- individual guys, um, you know, this guy's, yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> This guy's the sharpshooter. Um, he, you know, he's he's uh, he's a little better at shooting people behind cover. And then um, there's uh, there's one I think is great, which is uh, it's called Craven, uh, which says that your model gets suppression tokens every time he's damaged. So he has a harder time moving the more he gets shot at, but he's more effective behind cover. So like you know you can have um, interesting things like that where you can make your your models more unique, um, and you can find cool combos in between the uh, the the different uh, upgrade cards as well. Um, now, have you considered having uh, bits since you can, you know, modify 
weapons and stuff. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, something we wanted, there's there's a couple generic upgrades that, that add equipment. And um, one thing we definitely want to do is do um, sort of faction-specific upgrade sprues, basically, that'll have different faction-specific versions be, of that weapon, yeah, which I think be cool. would be <laughs> awesome. Um, that's something that we'll probably get into down the road. Um, you know, also stuff we want to do is are like, you know, faction specific objective models that, that you can have with your objective and, and all sorts of stuff like that. Absolutely stuff we want to get into. Um, That's cool. Yeah. So WYSIWYG is not going to be a thing when it starts out. So if I'm going to buy, say, 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 what's your, I mean, what's your buying value? Is it like a model is one point, you know, I'm going to buy this thing on them, increases this point value, et cetera, et cetera. Whenever you're saying you're going to build a game or, you know, yeah. like what were you short at 75 points, but in like, you know, 40 K it's 2000 points, but then you have to buy all the upgrades in that, you know, so you're not getting full 2000 points worth of models. You're getting 2000 points worth of models and their upgrades. Right. So it's the, the upgrades do cost points and your models cost points. Um, most models cost, like most infantry cost like eight to 12 and, and officers are 16 to 20 ish. I mean, you have a hundred points to spend for a full game. It seems like you can make a pretty, <laughs> pretty unique team. Yeah. With all absolutely. the different, uh, upgrades, ability upgrades, weapon upgrades and all that stuff. Like, like no two would be alike. Yep, yep. There's um, we wanted to put in a lot of customizability. So even though it's like a sort of a small, um, it's a, it's a low model count. You can still you know make your your team uh, feel unique for yourself. That's good. I, I think I think it's a good thing because it kind of I mean, we all we all can have generic Joe the rifleman, but Joe the rifleman that can aim better. And Fred Rico with the wily mustache can, you know, run faster or, you know, (laughs) (laughs) type thing could be something different, which I think is good. Um, Anything else you want to tell us before we go to our media section? Um, yeah, anybody who's interested in, in playing the game, we have an open beta coming up. Um, those are the, the full rules um, for the first two factions initially and, you know, and all the core rules, obviously, uh, will be online uh, before the end of the month. I don't have an exact date yet. Um, uh, but you can, uh, if you follow us uh, on social media, we're on uh, at BreachStorm on Twitter uh, and Instagram and then Facebook.com slash BreachStorm on Facebook. Um, We'll, uh, we'll, you can you can stay abreast of all the updates there. Uh, we also have we have a website that should be going up um, relatively soon uh, at breachstorm.com. But uh, yeah, we'll have all the rules available if you want to just proxy out some games. And if we have enough uh, response with the beta, we'll probably do some giveaways of, of models and things if um, if people want to show us their battle reports. Um, and then uh, obviously a, a couple weeks down the road, we'll also have the uh, the. Uh, full rules for the next two factions available, um, as well as probably we'll we'll try to um, to get some you know paper doll models if, if people don't want a proxy, and then we'll we'll have the uh, little printable um, models they can they can put on bases if they need. Which is a good way to start out when you're just playing the beta. I like that idea. Yeah. So um, yeah. So anybody who uh, who wants to give it a try will will be able to. And then our Kickstarter is going live this summer. I don't have an exact date right now, uh, but probably you know in the in the August. Uh, july august time frame um okay and uh, yeah so we'll, we'll you know we have a, a a little bit of a ways to go i know we, we talked about a, a little bit we're going to increase the scale of the game a, a little and we have um some some stuff to to change up with our sculpts 
Um, but we're, we're uh, we definitely like to give out updates to everybody. So if you follow us on that social media, you'll you'll be able to see all the cool art that we're we're coming out with. It's going to be awesome. So Gen Con is at the beginning of August. Is that going to have an effect on when you decide to start your Kickstarter? Um, I'm not super sure. I don't know if um, I, I'm not. I, I don't. We unfortunately don't have like a booth at Gen Con. We got a little. Um, we were a little slow on the uptake and, and didn't uh, end up grabbing one. But um, I, I contacted them and they're like, "Yeah, everything sold out a month after Gen Con last year." I was like, oh, uh, yes, <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. You need to get in on the day of. Uh, yeah, one sure. thing we're talking about is is maybe splitting a booth with a, a, somebody who's already going. Um, sure that might happen but i don't you know obviously don't have any well, fingers crossed because that yeah. would be a really cool place to uh to do some demos before yeah. your kickstarter goes live and get the word out yeah um but we're also uh we're also at adepticon so we have a booth at adepticon so if anybody's we'll like, look forward to playing some demos there because this sounds like a lot of fun yeah um so far people have uh really enjoyed it and i'm excited to show more people for sure um, you you keep on saying we. Who's on? Who are you allowed to say it's on your team? <laughs> it's it's mostly the royal we. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's uh, it's mostly me. Um, I do have a couple locos that I, I play test with pretty commonly, and and we throw out around a lot of ideas. Um, uh, I also most of the act, you know, the the groundwork um, gets done. Uh, I kind of have a team of freelancers I'm working with to do mm -hmm. the illustration and a lot of the art, and as well as the sculpting. Um, most of the other, um, most of the the sort of um, uh, game design and 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 kind of background stuff is is myself though. So when you get models ready, you're going to tell me so I can try to paint them up. And Kathy's going to tell me how to paint them because I'm a horrible painter and I'll just make them look like crap, right? <laughs> not a horrible painter. You know what? Do those yeah. uh, ones that have the metallic like armor, that, is that the cat people's, the, the yeah. Zen Thrar that you were painting that had the metallic? Because I've seen the way you do that metallic, like the armor and stuff, and you're very good at that. Yeah, I, I actually, I want to see the other two factions because I'm interested in all of them. Um, just because it, it seems pretty interesting. Uh, of course, I want to see what the concept art and stuff is for um, the insect ones, and of course, you know your your psychic ones to see mm -hmm. what they the do. Reptilians. The reptilians. The reptilians. That sounds really cool because um, my husband has a thing for lizard men, and uh, so. Yeah, I had uh, a soft. long and passionate love affair with lizard men in Warhammer Fantasy. So <laughs> that, that was, was a, Jim too. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that was a. Uh, a transitional period in my life and i think probably is going to come across in the game <laughs> oh wow that's that's cool <laughs> all right let's get to something and let's let trevor kind of rest his voice for a second let's go to media section and talk about what we watched this week come on media section load up all right uh i have roughly two that's things to talk about again <laughs> I have two things to talk about. Kathy, what do you got to talk about this week? Anything? Uh, you know, I've been snowed in, and <laughs> usually that means I would be uh, watching stuff, but mostly I've been reading uh, books about that were written in the 1920s, 19-teens, 1920s, because you get the mega pack of, of books for like 99 cents on Amazon, and <laughs> I've, so I've been having a lot of fun just sort of immersing myself in the culture of the early 1900s in America, and it's 
because these books were written then like like people were excited that a house had electricity and that they could just <laughs> flip a switch and the lights go on you know or they had the telephone and the way they would write it would be apostrophe p h o n e you know like it's the phone <laughs> not the telephone <laughs> and and phone would be slang and slang is not what you know if you're of an upper class you know slang is beneath you that's the kind of thing that you know the blue collar you know workers use the poor folk like us schlepping you know grunts we use slang but you know <laughs> you you don't use words like phone and car that's slang you say motor car and telephone <laughs> <laughs> it's a whole new world it's funny because it's america but but it's not america it's very different um also i did finish uh the series dark mm -hmm. that i was talking about two weeks ago the german series uh jim watched it with me we were riveted until the very end although i have to say that any series that that thinks that being supernatural and having the antichrist, you know, appear or be prophesied, you know, thumbs down. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm done with the whole, the antichrist is coming kind of thing. Done with it. So how, for the entire series, how many shots of Kraken do you have to take to watch it? Uh, because it's so damn slow. I mean, I really liked it, but oh my god, people. Let's get a faster pace. Maybe it's because it's German. I don't know. I've seen other German shows that had a much faster pace. I used to watch uh, Tatort, you know, the uh, detective series, mm -hmm. and, and that was a lot of fun. But yeah, this one, slow, slow pacing. Uh, the storyline is interesting, uh, but I was disappointed, you know, when they brought in the Antichrist. I'm like, really? <laughs> Been there, done that. He's president. I mean, uh... Yeah, right? I mean, on Lucifer, it's expected, but really. So that's my, uh, that's, that's my media stuff. So what do you have, Gonzo? Or does Trevor have something that he's watched recently? Uh, I, I finished Altered Carbon recently, but Gonzo said he wanted to go through that, so I won't take you his can theme discuss. away from <laughs> We'll yeah. discuss it. Um, let me give my other one, and then we'll do, we'll do a good discussion on Altered Carbon. Um, I watched the new Cloverfield, uh, the Cloverfield Paradox, which oh, is on yeah. Netflix only, uh, which I'm a huge Cloverfield fan. I love the world. Um, the uh, first initial movie was really good, really interesting. Um, and then the second one with, um, was it John? Uh, was it? Yeah, John. I, a lot of people said they hated that, but I loved it because he should have won an award for that, for his acting. It was amazing. I, yeah, I heard it was great. I can't find where to watch it, though. Like, is it is it streaming anywhere? I don't know if it's streaming anywhere. It I bought it. Because, lame, right? Yeah. But, so I watched this one. Um, I bet I can get it on YouTube or something. Like that. Oh, I'm I, sure you can. I can rent it. Um, and so this Cloverfield is called the Cloverfield Paradox. 
and it's based in space. Uh, the basic story is Earth is running out of energy, um, gas, oil, all that stuff, kind of comes coming around, and so they send this spaceship up in uh, in orbit to try to figure out, you know, colliding particles and particle acceleration and trying to do that. And of course, it they launch it off, and of course, something bad happens. Um, and so it's through aliens. All this, Giant chickens. I'm just gonna guess. Aliens? No. Are they, the are they cat aliens? They're not cat aliens. Antichrist. <laughs> <laughs> Antichrist. <laughs> um, you try to wrest yourself from the dependence on fossil fuels. <laughs> Don't you know that that's my power? And so they, they try to do this, and of course something goes wrong. But as I'm watching it, I, I keep on getting flashbacks of Event Horizon. Um, if anybody's ever watched that. Who said that? Somebody else uh, yep. just watched that and said it was, yeah. It was like Event Horizon, the the PG version or the PG-13 version. Um, <laughs> I can't, I, I won't tell you what goes on because I don't, like I said, it's a spoiler free. Um, it wasn't bad. I was, I was, nothing freaked me out. Nothing made me crazy. Nothing, you know, surprised me. It was good. Um, but what I really, really want and what I really want to see is them to actually give us Cloverfield. They just need to. They just need to give us the Cloverfield stuff that we because they always tease us with the monster and tease us with the stuff that's going on and you know so on and so forth. And they just finally need to just give us a Cloverfield movie. Um, need to bring us a big bad monster. You know, everybody fighting over it, the big creature, and, and just give us the big bad monster fighting thing well, that is, wasn't is the original. It, is it? Is it a Cloverfield movie without Cloverfield? Yes and no. Uh, um, I guess you should watch it. <laughs> you should because they they do a part that's on Earth and they do the part that's in space, and it, it it all works out and it's all attached and stuff. But they really he just needs to come out with here's all three movies together in one, and this is the reason why it is. And like they could do you know the original Cloverfield they could go with that the the end of that and work through the other two of you know things that happen and like input the you know why things happened in 13 Cloverfield you know here's here's like a a, a snippet or you know you can go oh there's a building or there's that and that's what's happening you should do like an in universe documentary yeah, or something like that'd be cool that actually that'd wouldn't be, be bad. bad at all <laughs> um so you don't think they were setting it up for a fourth one? They could be. A decisive conclusion. There, there was a conclusion to the story. Uh, there was a conclusion to what was going on. But there is that teaser that they always do at the end of every Cloverfield movie. And it's there. Like uh, you think it's done, but there might be more out there. Correct. Uh, it wasn't bad. Uh, I'd say maybe, maybe two shots of Kraken. If, you know, space, you know, sci-fi event horizon type things isn't your thing. But, I mean, it was still good. Um, I'd watch it. I'd watch it. I recommend it just as a good. I mean, it's only an hour and 40 minutes. So, it's not like it's a, you know, two-hour show or three or yeah. whatever. Um, so, maybe two shots of Kraken. Not bad. <laughs> um, but let's go with the Big Daddy because... I recommended this, and I only recommended it only in seeing like half of the series, and now I've completed the entire series, 
And holy shit. Uh, let's talk about Altered Carbon. Um, Trevi, have you watched the whole thing? I watched the whole thing. Okay. Kathy hasn't seen anything, so of course we're going to do spoiler-free, guys. Spoiler-free. It's, it's been recommended by two of my cousins. So. <laughs> <laughs> Tim Larkin tells me that uh, that uh, the Clover of the Field movie was junk. I go, I liked it. It wasn't awesome, but it was okay. Oh, um, yeah. but, I've uh, heard mixed reviews, but I there is. check it out just in case. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, 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 it's better than a sharp poke in the eye. So, <laughs> so many things are. Um, so Altered Carbon. Altered Carbon is a story that is, in, of course, in the future. Um, it is very much where people can download their consciousness and their life into cortical stacks in the back of their head and pretty much can live forever if they can do it correctly. Uh, the initial story of the thing is it's a murder mystery. Um, I like murder mysteries. And, and, that, and that's pretty much what it is. But the whole thing is amazing. So I have to say, not having seen it or, or knowing anything about it, when you say that you can download your consciousness, it makes me think of the Vassening, which was something in Frederick Pohl's uh, Hitchi Chronicles, which was written like a thousand years ago. Yeah. I mean, it was like 1960s, I want to say, when he when he first was uh, writing those. And it's a whole series, and it's a sci-fi series, but it basically has where you can download your consciousness and essentially you know, live forever in that way. So. Uh, it, and it, it actually does pull from a lot of different things. It pulls from Neuromancer, which is another good old sci-fi book. It pulls from Shadowrun. Uh, it pulls, you know, from the VR and the hacking. It pulls from uh, Eclipse Phase, which is an RPG, um, which is a really good one, by the way. I'm going to probably do a review of that pretty soon. Um, it pulls from all the sci-fi genre stuff. Um, and it's, it, 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 there, it, Xander makes a good point. It's a tangled web of stories because it's not just about the murder mystery. It's about everything else that's happening there. Blade Runner is another one that kind of it pulls through. Um, it really... The atmosphere is incredible. That's the one thing I did like. They didn't skimp on, here's, you know, standard thing, here's standard thing. Um, Poe um, is an amazing character. Um, can't say anything about him because if I do, it'll ruin it. But he's a really good character. He's uh, not the Antichrist, is he? No, he's not the Antichrist. <laughs> <laughs> we're just saying that so that we keep it spoiler free. But won't you be surprised? Yeah. Abuela, I will tell you right now, Grandma was the best part of the entire show. Oh my God! Because grandmas so often are. Oh, this one's even better. <laughs> Uh, no, she was. That was a, certainly a redeeming point of the of the show. Yes, it was. <laughs> when, when, when grandma, when you see grandma and you watch grandma, you just die laughing. Um, it, it is hilarious, but it also touches on some really good um, things that it also brings in religion into it. Um, now that you can't die and you can download your brain and your consciousness into a, into a, a, a disc. You know, what about, you know, afterlife, heaven, heaven and all that stuff. And it actually hits heaven. on that. So it actually does some pretty good stuff. Um, it, it actually kind of touches on that religious factor, which is really good. And it's part of it. Um, I like that 
one character can play multiple characters, which they've done in the story, where they downloaded the Cortex, the Cordal stack, different Cordal stacks into one one actor, and he had to play a different range, which was really good. Um, combat was really good. Uh, the sci-fi was there. Um, the different things that they did were really cool. I mean, I loved it. I can't wait for season two, which I hope that they do. Trevi, what do you got to say about it? Um, I, uh, I think on the whole, it was like pretty, you know, it was, it was like decent sci-fi. It kind of asked some, some questions and, um, had a lot of cool moments. Like there were a lot of cool fights and it, it things like that i think there were some moments that just kind of like pulled me like way out of it um the the main character oh uh, your voice is starting to off before i say anything and... okay sounds like you're coming back oh no they're both Can you guys hear am, I, am i dead uh sounds like Kathy's voice is, uh... all right nobody talk Sounds like they're crashing. In my back. <laughs> oh. No, oh, wait, you are yet. now. There uh, you go. Oh. Uh oh. There we go. All right, now go ahead, Trevi. Okay, yeah, and my Skype just um, had a little mild brain freeze. I yep. had a little bit of a hiccup here, too. Yeah, yep. this is like a Skype um, issue. So, uh, th- there were some, some parts that, that kind of. Um, sort of uh threw out my suspension of, of disbelief i guess they were like th- there are some scenes that were kind of cringeworthy especially I- I- at the beginning um some of the characters were like kind of hard to get a read on um I, the main character i'm not a huge fan of i didn't really like him and and he spent a lot of like the first couple episodes like sort of you know whining about everything and it was, <laughs> it was kind of obnoxious um and, and uh, is it is it based on a book? It there is. Some, it is based yeah, on a book. There were some scenes in in the show where I'm I'm watching them like this. This scene looks like an awkward scene in a sci-fi sh- book, you know, translated literally to screen, which was like, mm, you know, could have done without that scene. Maybe it was. Um, I think on the whole, it was it was pretty positive, but there were definitely some little bits, you know, here and there that I was just kind of like, ooh, that's weird. Well, I think, I think I don't, don't want to go too far into it without spoiling things. But. Yeah, and, and that's the hard part. Is you really can't talk about much besides, you know, hey, this character is really cool. You know, the yeah. technology and stuff. Um, but I think what really needs to look at is um, supposedly that the main actor guy is not going to be in next season. Um, and people are like, oh, well, that sucks. And I go, no, because this show can pretty much, yeah. you like can cast anybody. The conceit is that a character can exist in, you know, being portrayed by different actors. Correct. Well, sure, if, you're, if your consciousness is on a disc, you can insert it into anybody, right? Yeah, Who yeah has essentially. The capability. Yeah. That's yeah. The, See, I don't point. even have to watch it to know that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. And, and they could have but done it, that a little bit. That's what I'm saying. If they do next season excuse me, next season, they don't have to have that actor. They can just have someone else play his character from the role from what it's for. Because they did leave it open uh, to solve for uh, something to go through. Um, and which I think is a really good thing because they can, you can have so much to go on because you don't have to worry about, you know, oh, 
John's not going to be here next season because he was a dick and wanted more money. We're like, well, guess what, John? You're now going to be yeah. played by a female because we're going to put it in there. And we're going to put a female in a male's body. And, you know, this is just stuff that, that can happen and you don't have to worry about it. So I, I think that's one of the cool aspects of the show. Um, I, I love the technology in it. I love the... Uh, question they have on faith and God in it uh, because you know what do they have it's because such an integral part I mean uh, different people's various religions is such an integral part of culture and human nature it mm -hmm. seems like these days uh, they push they touched on some pretty interesting subjects too um, you know you can't die so what stops people from doing certain bad things? Um, oh, they don't have their fear in the afterlife, therefore they're all going to go crazy like Bacchanal. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Just not going to go into it too much because I don't want to spoil it for anybody, but <laughs> definitely watch it. Uh, I binge-watched the first seven episodes in one day and then watch the rest of the next. Yeah, I'm definitely going to have to watch this in... Uh let you know what I think of it because it does it sounds interesting and it does seem like there's a few things that that uh like the main actor being whiny and if if the main character is somebody I just want to punch or I don't care what happens to him like he could be hit by a bus the next day and I'd be fine with it <laughs> you know that that annoys me when when they create a character like that I understand that you know, writers are trying to make flawed characters because it's more interesting, but to make it in such a way that it's so irritating is really defeating. Well, it, it what what I think is, is yet to me, knowing what the character's going through and why the character is the way he is, it, it to me it was okay. I didn't have a problem with it because of what he was wanting to do and say and all this other stuff. So, I mean, I didn't, I didn't get that... And I can't say it without without spoiling of why he's yeah, lying. Well, I mean, I'll, I'll watch it, and then that yeah. next time uh, I'll let you know what I think. You know? I'll just tell you. We can talk about it yeah. and spoil it for everyone. Um, yeah, I'll just say right now, Poe is an amazing character, um, and so is Grandma. Is an amazing character. Uh, all the the cast is really good. Uh, it touches on a lot of religious and social aspects and uh, deals with, you know, Methuselah and so on and so forth. So, I mean, it was really good. I don't have a problem with it. Um, I'd say maybe one shot of Kraken. Other than all that. my listeners need to watch this over this next week so that we can all <laughs> talk about it without spoiling it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right so that's recommended so we, everybody has to go watch it we've run over our spoilers could totally ruin yeah, unfortunately we've, <laughs> we've run over our time so we always we do we should thank uh trevor atridge for coming on and talking about his his new game breach storm also um look for his beta coming out pretty soon uh, and the kickstarter going live later in the year 
Yeah. Thanks for having me on, guys, and everybody in the chat. Thanks for uh, for you know hanging on and, and listening. Definitely, uh, if you're interested, go check us out on on social media. Um, you know, facebookcom breachstorm and at breachstorm on on Twitter and uh, Instagram, and and we'll be at uh, breachstorm.com in the near future with or tons more like, cool stuff. Yeah, you can do like I did and just Google breachstorm. Or you can Google it and find the, and the find one two minute video stuff. on, <laughs> on my YouTube channel. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we also want to thank all of our sponsors. Thanks for Tectonic Dan for and Tectonic Craft Studios for you, sponsoring this section. You're awesome, Dan. And of course, uh, Broken Egg Games for sponsoring our podcast, which you've already said, which they're part of us and we're part of them. Uh, so thank them. Um, other than that, guys, um, it's another podcast done. Um, thanks for watching. I'm Gonzo. I'm Kathy. And our special guest, Trevor. <laughs> That's me. <laughs> Good night, guys. Good night. Yeah, I mean, I I drank all my beer, and I didn't get drunk, so I'm upset. Yeah. I really need to drink more because that wasn't near enough. <laughs>